The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, God, and we're doing your podcast. You know By the it, way, Chris yeah. Sims unbuttoned in PFP. We're rescheduling it for you. It was supposed mean? to be tomorrow, but apparently you've changed your schedule, and now we got to do it today. Is that a problem for you? It was, but it doesn't seem to matter. Nobody cares about my life. Yeah, coming in hot. That's what we're doing here at Central Park. Uh, does it feel weird for you right now? I didn't know I was going to be the one that was going to open this up. But... I didn't even think of it until yeah. it started. I'm sitting here, and it occurs to me, this is Chris Sims Unbuttoned. This is your turf, even right. though it's a joint enterprise. Right. Chris Sims Unbuttoned, show 30, PFTPM show 311. You wow, 311, okay. <laughs> you got some catching up to do, That's homie. a good one. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know. I just figured we'll see who talks. Okay, it good. It doesn't matter. It's not like being on air. That's no. what's great about this. I know. Like, when we're on TV, we have to worry about when to start, when to stop, five, four, three, two, one. We can do whatever no, we want. No, you're right. You can do whatever we want. What's Shit, up with cock, this desk, balls, man? doesn't matter. I like the couch. <laughs> I know. Why are we on this desk? Well, I'm going to sit on the couch. You just said it was desk. my area. Now you want to change it. Well, why do you it, change it? It's my area. Why did you change it when Because I don't feel like sitting in like like this crouching position trying to look at what, notes. T-Rex? And, yeah, that's what I feel like every week. You I'm look leaning like a T-Rex. I got to put the computer there. So how can you say it's my area and my domain and then you want to change it right away? Yeah. Did you get a approval from the executives to do this? I mean, apparently, I'm guessing. I think Matt Casey did. Matt Casey's the one that's got to deal with them more than anybody. I think I complained enough about it on the actual podcast that they actually made it happen. So, uh, either way. I never heard you complain about it. Oh, I did. I did on the, I you don't listen, listen to the podcast. No, you're, you're a jerk. <laughs> I do <laughs> Thank you very much. But yet, you expect me to read Pro Football Talk all day long. But it's different. Yeah, it's different. Sure, sure. Because, it's different. No, because it's a repository for news and information right. that you can get on the go. Yeah. This is just more of you talking. I hear you no, talking. No, no, I give news and info that's never heard anywhere else before, except for on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Right. But well, either way, yeah. it is Chris Sims Unbuttoned and PFTPM and PFTPM. I always, I always want to mess that up there. But it's a joint collaboration. How can you mess it up. It's PFTPM. I know. I, always, I don't know why. It's just what too you, many, what else too would many it be? P's and F's and T's and P's and M's, and it just confuses me sometimes. Okay. So we got a few things we're going to hit on. Okay. First thing is, I know we're going to do what our my my top cornerback. Right Top ten corners. Top ten corners. We're going to get into that conversation. Uh, Oh, Aaron Rodgers was in Game of Thrones last night. We're going to talk about that. You don't even know what Game of Thrones is. No, I don't. And you know what's even better? I actually watched the whole scene he was in and never saw him. So there must have not been that great of a cameo. How did you know? How did you? I thought you didn't watch it. I I don't watch it, but I watched last night. I've been watching a little bit here and there. You know you should start at the beginning. I know. I'm going to eventually. Thank you, Mom. Okay? I'm going to do that. (laughs) It's really not. But I just. This is just basic logic. I tuned in a little. It's such a big phenomenon. Okay? It's the next to the last episode. Rape. Jump in. Pillage. Murder, rape, pillage, murder. That's all that ever goes down. And dragons blowing smoke and fire. That's all I've ever seen on the show. That was some fight scene, but I didn't see Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, yeah. I guess he was on it. Yeah, apparently. Uh, all right, what else are we doing? We'll I, talk about that. I, I don't know. Yeah, they, You're the one with the sheet in front well, of you. You don't have the sheet. No. You, you got to get your sheet together. I know. <laughs> My uh, sheet's never together. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, <laughs> uh, What people are talking about, is that the name of the segment? No, not okay. at all. Okay, well, it is for today. We don't today. name segments. It is for today. <laughs> what people are talking about. Okay. Uh, rookie mini camps yeah. this past weekend. Now, they do some... The first weekend after the draft, it feels like more of them, the vast majority of them, are that second weekend after the draft and right. this past weekend. Yep. You had pointed out that general managers hate that first minicamp Well, practice. it's the most nervous Why? day. Well, I, I've had this conversation with a few people in, in football, uh, you know, since the draft happened. The GM's most nervous practice and nervous day all year is that first rookie minicamp. Because, of course, you've drafted and you've put all this time and work into these guys and how you value them and how they stack up to against each other. So GMs get nervous that, you know, they're going to run out there on the first day and they're going to go, damn, 
our fourth rounder looks better than the number 10 pick in the draft. And that's where they get nervous because nobody wants to see that. Of course, if you, if you use the, 10 pick in, the 10th pick in the draft, that's such a special spot to be picking or whatever it may be. Nobody wants somebody that, you know, everybody passed up six times along the way to be better than the guy that you had the pick of the litter to get. So uh, I, I think uh, it's come up with one or two people that I know in the front office, and, and I do think it's an interesting little tidbit. Doesn't that just underscore how inexact the science yes, is? That right. they would have doubt. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to have doubt at this point. You've been studying film. You've gone to practice. You've talked to people. They've come to the underwear Olympics. You've gone to the pro day workout. You've talked to them. You've screened them. You've watched film, 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 film. Yeah. You know what kind of player they are. And then you're still worried that when it's time to put them on a practice field with other rookies, not even the veterans, you're worried that the fourth-round pick's going to look better than the first round. No, I mean, hey, Mike, you're, you're right. It's an inexact science. I mean, yeah, I always say if Bill, if Bill Belichick can mess up draft picks, and certainly I can mess up evaluating players uh, for draft shows or whatever it may be. But, yeah, it's not always perfect. And there's so many other things that go into evaluating football players uh, to where even, hey, even the most skilled eye and trained eye of evaluating talents and what they what players can bring to the field they can miss certain things because of a guy being in a bad situation at college or having bad coaching or not understanding what he's supposed to do or maybe you as the evaluator don't understand what that player's supposed to do so uh, there's a lot of things that go into that and that's why you see see bust in the first round so often one of the things I pointed out on Friday when you were asleep and Big Cat and I were doing the show right. the rookie mini camp is something that needs to go away yeah you have players who haven't practiced or played football in months. Mm -hmm. They get thrust right into it. I had a GM tell me last week, our veterans are here for phase one and phase two before they get to phase three. We throw these guys right into phase three. They're not in shape. They're not ready to go. And you may get a guy injured. So there's some nervousness there. And Adam Gase, the coach of the Jets, one of the few that just doesn't do it. I think Good. Bill Belichick doesn't do it either. Just yeah. do an orientation. Yeah. Why make them feel well, inadequate? Why put them at risk? Right. Why throw them to the wolves? I remember when the late Joe McKnight was a rookie with the Jets coming out of the USC, and he's thrown up all over the place because he's not in shape. Right. And they throw you into it, and they expect you to act like it's the middle of August. No, I I, uh, I read your article when I woke up on Friday morning. and uh, Afternoon. Yeah, and you were, you were it's spot on. I mean, I agree with you. You know, I think the big thing is – So here's the first thing. As a player at that part, it's the first time all year that you get a little bit of a break, right? You go from the college football. You play in your bowl game. And then it's, oh, I might have to go play in the senior bowl or let's say one of the other bowls that, you know, the the kids who just get out of college can go play in. You got that. Then it's train for the combine. Then the combine's over and it's, hey, you got your pro day in three or four weeks. Get ready for your pro day. Okay, now the pro day is over. You got to go visit a few teams and do some extra personal workouts. So usually leading up to the draft, the two or three weeks before the draft, the players have done nothing. They've actually, it's the first time all year they're going, I can take a break and deep deep breath. So to what you're saying, it is. It's ludicrous. It tells you how psycho coaches are because they look at these players and they go, my new toy. It's like, that's what it is. That's how I felt like with Gruden every time. When we got like Joey Galloway, I've said this before, he was like his new toy. He couldn't help it. We sent him deep every play and practice, 80 yards, 80 yards, 80 yards, 80 yards, until what? Joey Galloway got a tight groin one day, and it was like, okay, let's chill out. We know Joey Galloway can run a post. And to what you're saying, yeah, it just does not make sense to throw guys out there who are in a different environment. They're learning things, so they're swimming mentally, right? They're trying to impress physically. And I think uh, that's why you get the Dante Fowler-type incidents, right, every now and then. Tore an ACL, first minicamp practice with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Third overall pick gone for the year. Right. What did you have to see? Like, to what you just said a few minutes ago, you've done all this evaluating, and you've seen the player in person 55 times, and you've worked him out, and you've talked to his trainers. Why did it matter that on April 17th you had to see the guy come off the edge at full speed? For what reason? It doesn't make sense. New England, who sets the standard in just about everything in the NFL, they would have guys out. You do, they do drills. They don't make it a whole like, oh, we're going to compete and you got to stop this receiver one-on-one. That's where New England's always light years ahead. You know, another thing just why we're on the subject with injuries, New England's light years ahead. Most teams, like um, player gets hurt, Ooh, he's practicing this week. He's ready to play. Throw him out there in the game. Oh, he got hurt again. Well, yeah, he's ran around practice for two days. New England, well, they're, again, they're an advanced algebra while the rest of the NFL is still doing like multiplication. The years I was there, like Gronkowski, I can't remember what he was dealing with the year I was it there. It was the arm. It was Might trying to come arm. back from the arm. Because they didn't put him on the physically unable to perform list right. at the start of the season. They moved him to the active roster because yep. they thought he'd be ready to go before week six. And right. every week there were, there were grumblings. Oh, he looks great in practice. 
Is it his exactly. call or is it the coach's call? It was the coach's call because you're exactly right. That's what was going on. It was, ooh, Gronk looks pretty good this week. I wonder if they'll play him in there, put him in there. Nope, Belichick's going to wait another week. Wants to get a little better shape. Wants to get used to the movements again and get used to what's the point of rushing them, you know, for September or October football. The main goal is to have your team ready to go and fully healthy for November, December rush. So uh, I think it's a lot of times where coaches got their emotions get the best of them with the, these new toys and, and get it going a little too fast. Some of the new toys that were out on the practice field this weekend. We'll talk about a few of these guys. Let's start with uh, Kyler Murray yeah. and Cliff Kingsbury. I'm looking at Kingsbury. Yeah, I did. I actually did. I'm thinking Kingsbury. Who's Kingsbury? <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and Kyler Murray, the quarterback of the Cardinals. The, yeah, I, I expect guys to look good in this. Set. If you yeah. don't look good in this setting, you've got a major problem. It's like not looking good at your pro day workout. Right, right? Right. And and I, I I just think the main thing you're trying to do, get the guys comfortable, help them not get injured. I saw that he was concerned that his feet were sore. I mean, right. I don't know what we really take out of this. And, of course, the coaches are going to talk the guy up. Yeah. Is any coach going to go to the to the press after practice and say, oh, this guy fucking sucks? No, exactly not. No. This is this is this is the bright spot of the organization. But we still, but it's funny. We still report we still, on it breathlessly, yeah. like it's 100 percent accurate. Coach said that their first round pick was oh, worth yeah, the first pick great. of the draft. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, yeah I, no regrets. You're right. It's going to be all positive propaganda. Uh, it definitely is. Yeah, we heard about the feet thing. You're, when you are back in cleats for the first time in a while, hey, that is a real thing. Uh, especially, you know, too. You, you, what I always used to make the mistake is I get like too small of cleats, and then because oh, they feel lighter, I feel faster. But yeah, my feet didn't fit in them. So then I'd have to go, okay, let me get something realistic for me that works for me, and let me not try to shove my foot in some like cleat that receivers should be wearing or somebody like that. But, hey, yeah, I don't expect anything different from Murray as far as hearing anything different from the from that standpoint. I do think he's a phenomenal talent. Like you said, it's a setting that's going to be conducive to him anyways. There's no pass rush. They can't hit him. That's the one thing we worry about, right? And – you know, the other thing, too, people forget he's been in the system. It's not going to be much of a learning curve. Uh, what the hell was his coach? Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, you know, he came from that same school that Cliff Kingsbury did. So uh, I would think a lot of the language and rules are going to be very similar. And I think one of the goals is you want this guy to emerge from the weekend having self-confidence in himself. Exactly. Right? Right. You want him to feel good about what he did. Yep. You want him to d- just emerge, just a sense, I Continue can do this. Build. I belong right. here. Right. right. I, I, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. This is easy. This right. is fun. I'm happy. And then you keep working your way. You maybe toward. script for success on these yeah. things, right? Where in practice, you know, the coach might tell the def- Kingsbury might tell the defensive coach run this coverage, and then he's going to call the perfect play to kill that coverage. But it's going to build some confidence in the young guys, like you're saying, Kyle Murray's going to go. Oh, I just threw a 25 yard completion right down the middle of the defense, even though the coach set it up. Nobody else is going to know that. Kyle Murray's not going to know that, but it does build the confidence. We expect. Kyler Murray to be the starter week one for the Arizona Cardinals, even though it's been a little bit of mixed signals from the head coach and the GM. He'll be the starter. We we didn't know what to expect with Washington. Yeah. And quarterback Dwayne Haskins taken 15th overall. Haskins told me before the draft, I'm fine with whatever. If I play right away, fine. If I sit for a year, fine. I'm fine with whatever. Jay Gruden, and you know, here's the thing, you know, the same thing. Oh, this guy's great, this guy's great, everything's yeah, great, yeah. open competition, he may right. play. But you know, in his case, I mean, what are you what are you hearing about whether or not Washington really is blown away by this. I, I heard a few things uh, really right before the podcast, as, as I told you a little bit. That's I why like, I'm, I trying to say you. Up, well, I'm so just I'm pulling smoother back the than curtain. that. It's okay. So I'm you don't slam the, the brakes on the show. It's, it's it's okay. I'm just because I, I did. I made You're a few, talking to that mic- microphone like it's real. Too. I know, and I like doing it too. That's just <laughs> I even realized. I know it's not real, and I mean, I'm it's a real microphone. It. It's just not plugged in. <laughs> um, but either way, what I did, I, I heard this because I wanted to make a few phone calls. And some of these things, I try to let coaches kind of be by themselves this time of the year because they're just starting back with practices and OTAs. So I don't, that, I don't that call That is the most my positive friends. way I've ever heard anyone say they don't want to mess around with me, so I know not to waste their time. Well, yeah, maybe that too. I, I realize I might not get callbacks. They're, they're legit busy for the first time offseason instead of their fake busyness that they try to act like uh, all offseason. So, yeah, I try to stay out of their way for now, okay? Um, but the, the one thing I heard Dwayne Haskins was extremely impressive. Uh, I heard that uh, Jay Gruden was a little bit taken aback uh, by how awesome Dwayne Haskins looked in person as far as some of the throws he made and just the quality of the sounds, football. Sounds like he's not the only 
Gruden brother who doesn't watch film of his rookie quarterback. Well, you know, I, I would think that Dwayne Haskins, and we heard a lot of these rumblings, right, before the draft, that the, the Redskins coaching staff preferred Daniel Jones. And I think, I think there was some, there's some realness to that, those rumors. From everything I know, that is real. And that Dan, Dan Snyder and other people in the front office favored Dwayne Haskins. So, you know, uh, either way, I think Dwayne Haskins impressed Jay Gruden. Uh, and, like, Haskins is not the type of guy that usually Jay Gruden likes. They don't usually – he doesn't like the big, strong-arm, pocket-passing type quarterback. It's not been in John's DNA or Jay's DNA when you look at the quarterbacks they've had around them for the most part. They always kind of prefer the smaller guy, a little more athletic, whatever it may be. I don't know what those reasons are, but I know that Dwayne Haskins is going to be able to run certain plays in that offense that, you know, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy are not going to be able to run because of his big arm. And some of the things we talked about on the show today, yeah, it might not be a great athlete, but he's got quick feet and he moves around and he's got good size. Um, so I think they were a little more impressed with him than I think they thought they were going to be. I'd love to know the thought process that a Daniel Snyder goes through to decide he likes Dwayne Haskins yeah. or Daniel Jones. Like, there's already a Daniel in the organization. There can't be another one. I mean, what, what basis would he have? I feel like it's got to be the Doug Williams factor. And I have no knowledge of this. But Doug Williams, who I know is a guy that's got a great eye for special throwers. I'm not saying I, – I, all I know is me and him have had a lot of constructive conversations about guys who can throw the ball. He could really throw the ball. And I just feel like he probably looked at Dwayne Haskins and probably saw himself a little bit. And, I mean, look at this big guy and the way he can throw the ball all over the field to where I would be shocked if he didn't maybe get in Daniel Snyder's ear at some point through this process and maybe help the love affair along through Daniel Snyder's eyes a little bit. Let me tell you my favorite Doug Williams story, and I wish I'd said it to him when we ran into him in Arizona. Did I ever tell you the story? When I was a kid and we'd go to the sandlot and play football every day after school, he had that throw in one of those games late 70s on his butt. Right. All day long, we're trying to make this throw from our our ass. Right. Just because he did that. Because I thought of that during the season – when we saw all the things Patrick Mahomes could do, and it occurred to me there's going to be a generation of kids that at least try to play like Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Yeah, sure. And there will be a certain percentage of them that have the skill to pull it off. So right. 15 years from now, you're going to have guys looking this way, throwing that Definitely. way, doing all this funky yeah, stuff. and introduces a whole new – but anyway, that, right. that's, that, is a, that is an unplanned – digression. No, that's fine. That's cool. But uh, uh, to further just what you're saying for how gifted Doug Williams was, because I think a lot of people look at him and just go, oh, well, he only had like a three or four year career and he won a Super Bowl. whoop de do You know, first of all, he was a big time talent. My dad has said before, I know publicly, that Doug Williams is one of the greatest throwers he ever saw in person. I mean, I, my dad's put him in the class of like Elway, Dan Marino type thrower. I, you know, I know, I'm not saying the quarterback part of it, but there's some special attributes about his hey, game for sure. He... he- Won a Super Bowl yeah. at a time when if you fell behind by 10 points, you were done. Yeah, you done. were done, right. And they were down 10 nothing after yeah. a quarter, and right. they exploded in the second quarter. To hold it together after that kind of a start in an era where uh, it's a, you know, uh, yeah. for 15 years it was like that. It was Super Ten Bowl point lead, It's over. Right. They just fall apart. Too much pressure, they just fall apart. And yep. he was the first one who didn't fall apart. All right, uh, so do you think Haskins starts week one based on what you hear? I feel like he has more of a chance than I thought I, or maybe that I gave him credit for. I'm going to say the same thing that I've even said to you. Haskins is what's going to be really phenomenal there is the first day he gets, you know, I think I said this in the show last week, when he gets on the field for the first time next to the other quarterbacks, yeah. the players see his size and see the way the ball pops out of his hands. He's going to open up eyes in that organization to where there's going to be a clamoring for him. I'm going to still say Case Keenum starts day one, but I think Dwayne Haskins is going to make it very interesting and probably put him on a short leash. If it's clear that the locker room wants Haskins, then that just makes go it harder. It. The question is, you know, we have to factor in dysfunction. Yeah. Washington may not listen to the locker room and do what they want to yeah, do. Yeah, right. All right, uh, Drew Locke. Yeah. He's going to watch Joe Flacco get the first team OTA reps. I, I think what they're doing in Denver is it's Flacco's job yeah. to get injured and eventually to lose. Right. That They're not going to bench him for performance. It just at some point they know he's not going to be able to play, and that's going to be the opportunity for Drew Locke. I just feel like that's the way this year plays out. And maybe Flacco can play the whole year. But I think if Locke plays this year, it's going to be because Flacco's injured. And if he plays well, then it becomes a de facto benching like we saw last year with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, well, if that was the case, yeah, he could be in, in trouble. I, I, I guess I look at this situation a little different just because Flacco, it's they traded for him. They're on the hook for him for $18 million. I think they'll give – him more of a chance to succeed maybe than a Case Keenum would in Washington. Uh, plus, Flacco has won a Super Bowl, but in a number of big-time playoff games, really been awesome 
and play off big-time football throughout his career. So I think he gives the, the organization and the offense a confidence from a guy who go, okay, this guy's been there, he's done that. Uh, Drew Locke, a phenomenal talent. You know I loved him. Um, you know, I think the big knock on him was that, you know, there was a few things in his game just as far as technique aspects and little things that he needs to brush up on that scared people, I think, out of Missouri. So this is a good opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, again – yeah, I think Flacco will be the starter here, and I think he will continue to be the starter unless just the things totally fall apart in Denver. But offensive line's better. Emmanuel Sanders, that's going to be a big question for that offense to see where that goes. And their defense is good, so the quarterback doesn't have to save the day in Denver. One thing to keep in mind about Drew Locke, he yeah. had three different offensive systems in three years at Missouri. Yeah. He learned a new system every year. Right. And I think that is a factor, yeah. a positive factor, as he learns – Another system, and it was more of a pro-style system as last year, so maybe that helps the transition a little bit more easily than it otherwise would have been. But I think they're going to have him ready in the event they need him due to health. Right. And other than that, we're going to see Flacco all year long. And they made him third string, right, to start? Which is, like, I know, like, some people go, oh, I mean, gosh, they made him third string off the bat. That's not... Who's second string there? Uh, it's the Kevin Hogan kid they oh signed. Oh, my God. Right. But this is what the teams do. You work your way up. earn it. Build, you build confidence. Right. You and build it, confidence. And, and the message to everyone is he's not being given it. Exactly right. The rest of the team goes, oh, okay, okay, oh, yeah, he did that. Where were you on the depth chart? I, three. I mean, until... And then you were six? Gosh, I was three. I mean, even in year two, when I had clearly become kind of number two, Gruden would still make me be three some days just to, like, go, like, hey, you're, nothing's given to you. you got to still keep staying on your A game. Were you the emergency guy? Was that the rule then? The 46th yeah. man was the third-string quarterback uh, who couldn't enter the game before the fourth quarter, and it, if he did, the other quarterbacks couldn't come my back? My first year of my career, yes, I was that guy. And then um, year two, you know, I don't even know if that rule was in place quite at yet. Some right point at the start. They, no, it's, it was it's, early on they, in my career when it got changed. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think think of like my first two or three years if that was still the rule at some point uh, they just went to a straight 46 man roster yes but I can remember there was a time where you had that third qu- you could have 46 guys but only if the third guy was a quarterback who was an emergency quarterback only yeah I feel like that was like year four or five of my career when that rule got changed so early on I think all three guys could be dressed and you could play at any point uh, depending on who, who got asked to be in. But, yeah, that first year, second year even in preseason football, uh, I know Gruden one year, we went back to Houston. My second year, I was the backup all, all training camp. The first two or three preseason games, I was the backup. Then I went back to Texas, and it was Houston. And I think Gruden wanted to, like, check my ego at the door maybe one more time, and he made me go in th- with the third group. He wanted to see how I was going to do because I was going to be pissed off that I was around my Texas, you know, hook'em horns alumni in it, and I'm going in third. I think he wanted to see if I pouted, if I let it affect my play on the field. It didn't. I played really good, and I still was the backup. Uh, Quinton Williams, we had some fun with him on the show today, his, his enthusiasm. Yeah. His his uh, let's let's uh, let's take a listen to it and then we'll react to it on the other side. Here's Quentin Williams talking to the media over the weekend. First walked in, I'm like, man, it's Leonard Williams. Like, he a beast. He from USC. I'm just I should give props when props do, basically. But yeah, I was being a little fan and we just worked out together and stuff like that. When I get to meet people, I be like, man, it's dope. Like, I met Le'Veon Bell yesterday, and I'm like, whoa, like this Le'Veon Bell, like the first the number one running back in the NFL. Like, it's just crazy. So. I just, but I know I'm one of the people too, though. So it's like, so. But I don't really look at it like that, though. So like, I met Sam Donald. That's crazy. Like, like bro, you Sam Donald, Jamal Adams. I'm like, bro, you. I got Jamal Adams on my ultimate team. So it's like, that's crazy. Okay, so Quinton Williams has a great personality. He does. Big smile. He's just happy to be here. You interviewed him before the draft. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of a clip that I saw making the rounds on Twitter within the past couple of weeks. It's Pat Summerall and John Madden doing a game in the 80s or 90s yeah. talking about that Burt Reynolds was in a box. Right. And Pat Summerall was asked by John Madden what kind of a player was Burt Reynolds in college because he played at Florida yeah, State. Sure. And Summerall said, well, he's a really nice guy. He had a great personality. And that told Madden everything he knew. He said, yeah, you don't want to hear you don't want to hear about a defensive back. He's a nice guy. You don't want a guy like that to be a nice guy. Yeah. And he talked about Charles Haley like yeah that guy's there's a guy who's not a nice guy and of course we didn't know half the stories we didn't know a tenth of the stories about Charles Haley publicly at the time but I look at Quinn Williams have you heard the ever this heard the story of Charles Haley I've heard every story that we cannot talk about well we can talk about it I don't know I I don't know that I want to talk about Charles Haley 
disrobing and dropping things on people's shoulders and oh okay well is that I, the story you're gonna know the story I so you know he wanted to be traded to the Dallas Cowboys right. the thing I had always been told before we go back on the Quinn and Williams I think we got to do this because this is just raw in my brain he was trying to beg the 49ers trade me the Dallas Cowboys and he started to get frustrated with it the story I was always told is finally when he hit his limit he walked into George Seifert's office he stepped on top of his desk and stood on the desk and he took a crap on his desk and said, trade me or I'll be back tomorrow. And apparently that's what kind of got the thing going. But he took a number two on George Seifert's desk and that's what made the trade happen. That, that was literally when they were like, okay, this is going to be an issue for real. And that was the story I was always told. And I never had anybody debunk me and I've actually told this story publicly before. I wonder what your next day would be like if on day one you go straight to the top of the desk and poop on the desk maybe. like if you're going to come back tomorrow what's what's next i think you do it maybe add a little pee on top maybe uh, I, I, well <laughs> they, they, listen you need to read boys will be boys i know of jeff it, perlman's book right yeah uh there's a chapter on charles haley and uh I, let's just leave it at that let's just leave it at that yeah yeah what what book what have you when was the last time you sat down and read a book i've only time? read one book what? and i won't be reading boys what? will what be book? boys what uh book? jfk and the unspeakable uh, why he died and why it mattered. Yes, it's a great book. Why, why, there's a lot more JFK books I know, out there. I know. Well, this one was very well documented, documented about a professor who had sued the U.S. government for lack of information. They send them all the information on the JFK assassination, but what they basically do is they try to drown you in information. So you have to decipher and go through it. They might send you 100,000 pages of something that really the whole report is 1,000 pages, but you have to figure it out where it is in the, in the 100,000. Yeah, it's called practicing law. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm Sure, but yeah, it wasn't for me. It was a great read. I am a little obsessed with that subject in general. You, what is the book you said you're reading right now about the mafia? The I mean, five, five families. families yeah. I might do that. See, those are the kind of books I I want to read history, fact based stuff. I enjoy. That. I would start with if you like the movie Goodfellas. Yeah. I would read read Wise Guy yeah. by Nicholas Pileggi. That was the movie. Or that was the book on which the movie was based. I ripped, I never read quickly. Yeah. To the you know, like, I, it's like, oh, they say, oh, you can't put it down. I trust me, I can put it down. I get bored with it quickly, but I'll come back. To right. It. That was one where I was flying through it, and it's like, I'm going to regret this. I'm reading it too fast. Who I killed really JFK? What do you think? I, I don't know. Oh, come on, give me your the mob. The mob. You think the mob did it? The mob hated him. No. Yeah, I know they did. They helped him get elected. His his. His dad was implicated yes. in something that was going on, with, like in Prohibition. Well, he was definitely, his dad was into Prohibition. He was a bootlegger. And then the, they got, you know, one of the Chicago mafia to get dead people that were, or people that were dead voted. Yeah. To help him win the, the area, the city, the state, there was some, some, a lot of stuff that went on. There was on. some irregularity in yeah. West Virginia, too, in 1960. Um, Quentin Williams. There's a whole, there's a whole, library, there's a whole <laughs> library on global warming. I'm surprised you haven't read any of those. I, I read a lot. I read the reports, whether it's no, from... B- books. There's no, books. well, I don't need I can read I, at reports. You want to go I off already on global regret, warming right I already now? regret. Let's get Let's back go. to Quentin Williams. Okay. Here's my question about yeah. Quentin Williams. This relates to a guy like Charles Haley. Yeah. Right? Is Quentin Williams too nice? Yeah. Is he going to be able to be a killer when he needs to be? Right. Um, okay. That's a, it's a good question because defensive tackles usually are not like that. I think that's why he gets, first of all, people like him because defensive tackles are they're famous for being ornery a little bit where, yeah, they're edgy. You know, the defensive tackles in the locker room are the guys like you want to mess around with and have Henry? fun. Ornery? Ornery, isn't that like? Ornery? Ornery, that's the word Henry? I was looking for. Right, you know what I meant. Like Henry Hangry. I was like, I felt like I Henry? had hangry from Henry? Snickers. He's, he's angry and hungry at the same time. But I don't think niceness matters. As far as like, no, you can turn a switch on and become a different guy when it's football, you know, when it's time to play football. I'll go back to like a guy like Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins, who I played with, Wolverine, right? Six days of the week, it was, you know, bless you and this and that. And he was soft spoken and he barely talked. Hey, Chris, great job today at practice. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, you walk around, you come in the locker room on on Sunday, and all of a sudden, he's going, whoa! It's game day! He's rolling around like Wolverine. And you're like, what the hell? This is the guy I was with all week? Who the hell is this guy? And it was like his alter ego. Here was Wolverine. I'm ready to play football. So guys do have that ability to kind of turn and turn that off. Quinn and Williams, it is rare to see a guy uh, that plays that position to be that affable, I guess, is why it kind of gets us. Well, it's almost like, and, and I'm trying to project this forward, will there be guys in the locker room who mess with him? Because he's just, it's almost... I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but it's almost kind of a dopey, like, yeah, sure. like naive. Yeah. Like, uh, and they're Same messing with him, and he just keeps laughing. Like, he I just stand. keeps laughing. Yeah. At what point does he, like, turn? 
and just pick somebody up and throw them across the room. Well, the, it will be that if he continues to get tested, that will be the point. Or he's going to toss and throw people across the room on the football field so much they're going to go, you know what? I'm not going to mess with him in the locker room. I've seen what he's done to everybody on the field. He's certainly capable of doing that to me in the locker room. Uh, but if the locker room, if the play on the field shows you you're a little soft, yeah, that could lead into guys now taking their chances in the locker room, and now all of a sudden you realize you're being made fun of, and now you're soft, and that's where, like, you know, the Miami thing with Jonathan Martin, and I know that's an unfortunate incident, but that's what happens. That's what snowballs. When you let those inklings go, and guys in the locker room can see they can pick on you and continue to needle you, needle you, nothing will happen, you're going to get picked apart. You know what's amazing? That'll be yeah. six years ago. That's crazy. Six years ago Damn. in October. Life's flying. Devin Bush, drafted by the Steelers, they moved up to number 10. They want leadership defensively. And one of the reports that came out this weekend from the Steelers rookie minicamp was that we're already seeing some of that from Bush. He's taking over on the field. Does it, it, can we glean anything from that? I mean, does this mean he's going to be a natural leader just because he's leading when other rookies are there? Because the real test is going to be when you've yeah. got Cameron Hayward and right. and all of the other entrenched, established Steelers players. T.J. Watt is he going to listen to this guy? Is he going to you know? And what's, where's the that, yeah. that dance? Right. Like you're a rookie and you walk in and you're going to try to take over and lead, and you know they're going to throw you in a locker. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be – he can be a little more forceful with his leadership with a bunch of rookies around, definitely. And, yeah, you can glean something into that to know, okay, gosh, this guy's a vocal leader. He's not afraid to, you know, move people around or get them in their right position. He's not just going to sit back and, you know, just be some quiet guy who, oh, I hope it works out. So, yeah, there's certain things there that you certainly can glean that. Now, he'll have to adjust that when some of the names come into town like you talked about. You know, Stefan Tuitt, Cam Hayward, you know, T.J. Watt. Yeah, he might not maybe – bark around at them as much, but I think it, what it does is shows, you know, you always hear the phrase with middle linebackers, like he's the quarterback of the defense, and man, there's not a defense that's that's more real with than Pittsburgh, the Blitzburg defense. They have so many checks and uh, things they do at the line of scrimmage to kind of change what they do on the defensive side of the ball that you need a guy that's smart and able to bark orders, and he certainly seems like that kind of guy, and I would think that I would hope that they already knew he was that type of guy. Uh, when you trade up 10 spots in the first round to go get him. All right. Uh, we'll see what he does. I yeah. mean, they traded up to get Troy Paul Ball and it worked. Yeah. And I just have a feeling he's going to be one of these guys who becomes a cornerstone stealer. I'm with you. you know, they, they looks rarely, like it. They, when they go all in like that, they rarely get it wrong defensively. Right. Offensively, who knows? Yeah. Defensively, they rarely, they rarely screw up. With I like your PFT Nike this is up. This is an old school uh, prototype that we were looking at at one point to maybe, like, mass produce. It's got a giant logo on the back. I want to peel that off. Oh, I hate okay. that. That thing's too it. big. It's not that bad. I but like yeah, it. I kind of like it. Yeah. I wore it for you. I, I, cool. got, I got out of the blazer. I knew yeah. you were going to bust my balls about the you blazer. You knew I was going to. I was hoping you were going to stay in the blazer so I could I wait. specifically brought this so you couldn't bust my balls about Good. the blazer. Good. The blazer is for the TV studio. The zip-up is for out here. Not on your couch. But you don't wear a blazer when you're at home when we do the show. But, yeah, for some reason in this studio, you have to. Why? Maybe I'll start wearing a blazer at home. I don't know. I just feel like here I need to. All right. And then out of five days a week of doing the show at home, how many days a week are you not wearing pants behind? Three. Three? Yeah. (laughs) You're wearing just shorts? Oh, oh I never. Oh, it's always shorts. Okay. I never. You're not like in boxer briefs I or never, anything. Like no, no, that? no. I have shorts on. I'm okay. not up there in my underwear. Okay. I always have shorts on. Every once in a while, like I'll wear the long black, like you know, they're basically shorts that aren't shorts. Yeah. You know, like bed, like like you sleep in them or something. They're like sweatpants. Yeah. Like, okay. sw- like I'd never wear them out of the house. You know, but I wear them around the house. Right. They don't, really, right. they don't do they make sw- the old school gray sweatpants? Do they? Well, I haven't. Yeah, had they those do. In years. I know what you mean. Like maybe I should get some. Yes. Like you're, yeah, I got you. I that's a bet we're gonna do one day. What? One day we're going to find something I want to bet, and then I can make you stand up on I've the done show. I've it before. It's been done. So we can just see it. Okay. I haven't I, seen I, it. And the other thing, too, is I, yeah. like to, I don't like to be warm, as you know from the studio yeah, back thanks. there. I want to be like, cold yeah. during the show. Right. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, hang on. Damn lost let's, let's, fucking uh, circuit. Wait, no, no. no I got to do something else first. Don't take a chance of being stranded. You know why? Why? Your battery could be dead. Mm. You need to stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and get your battery tested. It's yeah. free of charge and one of the many services available. If your battery needs to be replaced, the professional parts people will help you find the exact battery for your car or truck. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Oh, oh, oh O'Reilly, O'Reilly Auto, Auto Parts. parts. Um, 
you don't, your car is a battery. My car is a battery, yes. So, yes, I hope they could fix that, too. I don't That's know. how you balance out all the, all the, uh, the uh, red meat that you eat. <laughs> you're, you're, you're funny. You're, no, I no, mean, you, you're yeah. Captain Planet, but you still eat cow. Okay, yeah, it's, I didn't it's, say it's, I was perfect. <laughs> I did not say I was perfect. What did you say? You're 40% vegan? 66%. <laughs> 66%. But I, all I'm trying to do is gain, you know, get awareness out there. And that's all I'm trying to do. I still have a steak, like, twice a week, I would say. I have red meat two to three times a week. And man, do I enjoy it. This is a great time of year, too. Do you, do you, you grill, right? Yeah. You got a nice grill at your you new do, house? Yeah. When are you moving into your new house? Uh, three weeks. When are you inviting me over to your new house? Mm, three years. All right. No. All right. Uh, Xavier <laughs> Howard, six years. He's yeah. under contract with the Miami Dolphins. And, and one of the, here's one of my pet peeves. And, okay. and this, here's, a, here's a teaser for what we're going to have on uh, airing of grievances on Wednesday on PFT Live. People in the industry who do what I do, who report news, they will take what is told to them. Because it's part of the quid pro quo. If you want to be first, sometimes you got to spread the bullshit. Right. And, okay, oh, Xavier Howard has a new contract with the Miami Dolphins. He's the highest paid cornerback in NFL history. And that's based on a very specific calculation where you only look at the new years on the contract and you ignore what he already was due to make on the year or years that he still had left. In right. Howard's case, he had one year left at $1.285 million. Right. When you factor that into his contract, his new contract, he's not the highest paid cornerback in football. He's south of $13 million a year. Josh Norman signed three years ago a contract from scratch worth $15 million a year. Yeah. No one's beaten that since then. Right. And that's one of the things that's amazing to me is we've gone three years. The salary cap keeps going up $10 million plus a year, yeah. and no one has surpassed Josh Norman's $15 million a year. They tried to make it look like and that's, right. they'll, they'll report it breathlessly. Oh, the highest paid defensive, best, whatever. And it's like there's no questions asked, no scratching of the surface, no attempt to analyze it and explain what it really is. Yeah, if you look at the new money analysis that the agents like to do because it makes the deals look better, it's more than Josh Norman. But the right. reality is he signed for six. Chris, who would sign for six years in this climate yeah. where the CBA is going to drive the salary cap up? TV deal is going to drive the salary cap up. There's more gambling money. So anyway, rant over. But no, but I, I get your hour, point. It's a good deal. Yes. But it drives me crazy when they try to make it look better than it is. Right. Say it's a good deal. The guy's had a lot of injuries. This is money he can't say no to. Yep. Right. You know, th- th- that's why he chose to do it. Yeah. I Period. mean, well, and, you know, and again, to your point, like what you're saying here, I mean, you know, basically the deal is a three year, thirty nine million dollar deal. Over the next From the years. standpoint of what he's practically going to make, yeah, and then after, but see the thing. Here's the thing: it's 39 over three. But yes. if they choose to keep him year to year after that, right. When the market has changed, when the yep. salary cap's gone up dramatically, he's going to say, "Man, I'm getting screwed here." Years four, five, and six. Yep. I'd, I'd have rather done a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar deal. Yes. And then been and then been a free agent. Yeah. So. No, I, I I hear you. He's gonna he he took what he can get. He's a second-round pick out of Baylor. Uh, either way, I will say this. You know what you can do? Here's yeah. what you can do. Yeah. You can say, I'm gonna go get an insurance policy to cover me. I'm gonna get through this year, and then I'm gonna be a free agent. Right. And the franchise tag sixteen million this year. It'll be seventeen million next year, and he's averaging less than thirteen million on a six-year deal. Right. Do the Kirk Cousins, Tremaine Johnson thing. Tremaine Johnson said, I'm not signing a long-term contract. Yeah. I'm playing out. And he got two years of the franchise tag and then made almost as much as, as uh, Josh Norman on a long-term deal. No, Do I that. Know. I mean, I know. bet on yourself. These guys are so – it's amazing. These guys are so confident, confident to the point of delusion when their abilities. But when that money's on the table, they yeah. blink so fast. Well, when you – you know, a lot of these guys' cases, when you've never had money and somebody dangles out, you know, here, here's $39 million guaranteed for you. It's hard to say no to that. You know, Tremaine Johnson, he rolled the dice. He got lucky, certainly, and, and good for him. I'm all for that. Um, but I just think in a lot of those cases, yeah, people get scared off. I think the point you made about, like, the fact that it's been two years and the, the cornerback market, yeah. three, has not really moved. To me, that is fascinating. I didn't even think about that during this whole thing. Uh, you know, what does that really show? Like, what does it show? I don't even know. To me, it shows more than anything that Washington grossly overpaid for Josh Norman. A guy who does not play man-to-man, island-type corner in the NFL. That's not what he was. He never did that in Carolina when they tr- – Remember that first game, Antonio Brown, Monday night, the Steelers, and they're like, why – Why, like, why is Brashad Breeland covering Antonio, Antonio Brown? Exactly right. And I wanted to be like, because this is what Josh Norman's always done. He plays on one side of the football field. The Carolina Panthers, who still run a very similar scheme, uh, uh, scheme when Josh Norman was with Carolina – 
They, they don't play a ton of man-to-man. They play a little bit more now than they did three, four years ago when Josh Norman was there. But, yeah, to me, that is really the flaw of the, the whole conversation is that he got overpaid. Uh, but I am kind of amazed that the market has not gone up more than that over a three-year period. You know, the guys you talk about being next, like I got to think Jalen Ramsey's going to be the leader in the clubhouse at some point. You know, uh, I know I love William Jackson from the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he's probably another guy that's going to be he'll up get, there. He'll this. get tagged by the Bengals, yeah. and then he'll leave in free agency. So uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to go. But, yeah, I, I'm amazed at that position to me, too, which has become, I think, very important in the NFL once again. I think there was a year, few years where we could argue, ooh, I don't know, you know, the way the rules are set up, do we really need awesome shutdown cover corners? Maybe it's better to have safeties like Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas or whatever it may be. But uh, again, I'll go back to New England, what I've talked about, you know, and we talked about this in the show today. It's just you can't play zone coverage all game long. You just can't do it. The quarterbacks, the systems, the receivers, they're to- too good at throwing and catching this day and age. They're going to find the holes in the zone or where that, that issue is in the zone altogether to expose it. You've got to be able to play man-to-man in some especially third and five or less type situations so it's just not you know, basically seven-on-seven seven football for the receiver and the quarterback. Norman's got five years, $15 million. Last year, Tremaine Johnson did five years, $14.5 million per year right. at signing. Stephon Gilmore's contract yeah. two years ago, right. 13 and a half, or $13 million at signing, just $13 million at signing. A.J. Bouye did $13.5 million for five years, and Gilmore did $13 million, $13 million for five years. I mean, we think that the, the Patriots paid market value. It's really not market value. No, Is it didn't. $2 million per year less right. than the Josh Norman deal? I mean, I'd take Gilmore at 13 over Norman at 15. Not even close. I would take Gilmore in front of – I mean, when you really look at – you know, first thing is New England, they had great knowledge. You've said this many times. They had great knowledge of Stephon Gilmore because they were playing him twice a year at Buffalo. The last year in Buffalo, Stephon Gilmore did not have a great, great year. So I think that kind of uh, lowered his value on the open market a little bit. But New England knew what he was. They saw the size and the speed. And I remember they liked him when he was coming out of the draft. I was working in New England, and he was coming out of South Carolina that year. Uh, so I know there was a love affair there. But, but I mean, Gilmore, come on. I mean, Desmond Trufant's making more money than him. That's not even close to his better player there. You know, Kyle Fuller. Okay, Kyle Fuller is one of the ten best corners in What's football. What's his average per year? He's at $14 million a year. Um, Patrick Peterson, who's also in that conversation, is 14 a year. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, he's overpaid at this point. We've heard Mike Zimmer come out and say, gosh, he's got to start playing like a guy that's making $14 million a year. So the the corner market's very interesting right now, and especially with guys like we mentioned, Jalen Ramsey, Byron Jones is coming up. There's some young talent that's uh, coming up the ranks at that position. You've got your top 10 cornerback rankings as of right now. Get, uh, l- let's go over them. Who yeah. you got? All right. So I went Jalen Ramsey 1, Stephon Gilmore 2, Xavier Howard 3, A.J. Bouye 4, William Jackson 5, Byron Jones 6, Kyle Fuller 7, Patrick Peterson 8, Marshawn Lattimore 9, Chris Harris Jr. at number 10. Lattimore seems high. I know. You know, Lattimore... The that, the that, that's, that's a line that could be taken out of context. <laughs> a lot of more seems like he's ranked a little higher on the list than he should be. I, maybe, you know, like most of the year last year, he was not as good as he was his rookie year. His rookie year, he was phenomenal. Last year, I would say the first 12, 13 weeks of the year, I was going, man, this is not the guy that I saw last year. But I thought at the end of the year playoffs, he was pretty damn phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to put him in, the, in, in that category because there's just not a lot of corners in, in the NFL with his size and speed and length and everything that goes with it. But, yeah, those would be my top ten corners. I feel like the Cowboys are not going to be able to pay one of their many looming free agents. Right. Maybe Byron Jones is Maybe the odd the guy. man out. Yeah. I mean, he, is he going to get big money if he gets the open market? I think so. Is he so. a guy that could push $15 million a I year do. Higher? I do. I mean, Byron Jones, uh, again, was a guy that was a, played out of position a little bit coming out of UConn. They moved him to safety at first, even though he was a corner at UConn. Uh, so they moved him to safety. It didn't work out. He goes back to corner and almost instantly shows, oh, my gosh, this guy is like an elite-level athlete. You know, uh, he was a combine freak. And, yeah, I think he is a shutdown island-type corner, as we say, to where, yeah, he should be right in this conversation with being the highest-paid corner in, in all of football. Corners are – hey, corners are a great – it's a great position. You're not going to be the king of the mountain forever at that position because – 
I don't know if there's a, a, a place on the field where you need to be more physically elite on a yearly basis than to go, I mean, just imagine what they're asked to do. You know, hey, go, go see that guy over there, Odell Beckham Jr.? We'd like you to go cover him, man Figure to man. Figure out where he's going oh, yeah. and, and go there. It's only the, you only have to cover him for this on this big field that's 53 and a third yards and, and 100 yards long. Other than that, no problem. Well, he's got to stay inside the white lines, but you've got to cover him everywhere else there. Is yeah, it 53 good luck. and a third or just is it 53? 53? I think it's, it's 53, 53 and a quarter, I think. I thought maybe. it was just 53. I think there's a little look extra on there. Well, and something that we touched on during the – show this morning on NBCSN when we did a draft at the top corners right yeah. now, how much it changes. Right. Right. At year to year, two years, three years, it's completely different, which should cause us to respect as much as I'm not a big Deion Sanders fan, like mm-hmm. TV guy yeah. and the person, but how long was he like the preeminent guy? And he fended off every potential you know, heir to his throne, where now the turnover is every couple of years. It does. I mean, right now, you, it seems like every three, four, five years, yeah, it's a new gr- group of guys that are challenging for the top spot in football. Like, hey, Patrick Peterson's still awesome. I'm not going to sit here and just give him the number one corner in football because he's Patrick Peterson. He's still amazing. But no, yeah, in year, what is it, eight going in for Patrick Peterson? He's just not not on the same level as Jalen Ramsey. Nine, actually. Nine. nine. So, yeah, not on the same level uh, exactly as some of the younger guys who still have that legit explosion, acceleration. You're going to lose those things as years goes on. But, yeah, Deion Sanders, Daryl Green, you know, Daryl Revis, Darrell Revis, Champ Bailey. Uh, you get into some of those guys, Mike Haynes in the 80s. They're special. They're a different athlete altogether. They are even special for the NFL special. That's how special the cornerback position is. You know, I have this conversation a lot with like, what is in that? Who's the greatest athletes in the NFL? Is it corners? You know, I don't know. Who is it? What's your definition of an athlete? Because I could show you corners who I go, explosive as hell, best vertical on the team, best 40 yard dash on the team, but damn, they can't throw, they can't hit a golf ball, they can't dribble a basketball. And then, so is that the best athlete? What's yeah. your definition of athlete? You well, know what I mean? I mean, yeah, and it depends on what the sport is that you're playing. Right, but I mean, even with football, uh, I mean, it's unless, just, unless we're talking about, like, you know. Who would you say is the best athlete on the football field? If you had to pick one position, would you pick receivers, DBs? Where would you go with? I, I, maybe a running back. Maybe a running back. You know, and it's funny, you know, the decathlon was always the way to determine the best athlete in the world. Right. Knows? That may have been more yeah, hyped yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But you do a bunch of different things. Right. I feel like running backs can do a bunch of different things, and I think that running backs now, like before you become infatuated with being the star player in high school, think about your future. And maybe when you go to college, it's like, eh, I don't want to be the running back. Jalen Hurd. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can maybe yeah. I can can catch passes or play defensive back right. or play safety. I remember when Ben Tate said, boy, if I had to do it all over again, I'd be a safety, right. not a running back. And, you know, that athleticism that allows you to get in those car crashes, the problem is you get in those car crashes. Yeah, right. No, I, I, I always thought a corner is more athletic than a receiver because the corner has to figure out where the receiver's going and go there. Yeah, no. The receiver's got the benefit of knowing where he's going. Right, right, right. Well, I hear you. So, yeah, from that, but what it, what is athlete? Uh, so is what I'm trying to say, too. But, you know, like the, the DB can't catch. He can't do anything like sometimes skill-wise, right, where the receiver can do that. The receiver is usually pretty good at shooting baskets yeah. and has good hand-eye. Just an interesting I mean, conversation, well, I'm it, saying. And it depends on, like, linemen. Yeah. What's going to define the best athlete as a lineman is strength. Yeah. But I think for the rest of the field, I think ability to change directions quickly is yeah. your best attribute. It makes you the best athlete. Yeah. Because anybody who can change directions quickly, if you're a defensive back, sure. you can recover. Right. If you're a receiver or a running back, you can fake somebody out of his jock and off you go. That's a fair, that's a fair way to put and it. And if you're a quarterback, if you can throw, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of an athlete you are. If you can no. throw the ball through a, a space that big, exactly. 60 yards down the field on a line. It'll make up for a lot. That's what's great about football. Yeah. Like, there's so many different skills that come together, so many different body types that come together in that one. Well, game. this was a big argument in the locker room a lot. You know, who are the best athletes in the locker room? Because, and it was usually the DBs and the wide receivers that were having this argument because, yeah, the DBs are probably pound for pound a little stronger and, like you're saying, maybe a little bit more explosive that way. But the wide receivers are going to sit there and go, yeah, but none of you can catch a ball and none of you can throw a baseball or a football or none of you have a jump shot. So they would be like, well, that's not an athlete then. You're not an athlete. You know, you're just 
physically gifted. That's what they would say. But you're not an athlete like I am. You know, Odell Beckham Jr.'s of the world and, you know, Julio Jones and those guys are going to be like, well, I could cross you over in a basketball game. And I think you'd see some DBs that would go out there and go, damn, you can't even dribble. I know I played with a few DBs like that where I was like, damn, you're a Hall of Fame defensive back and you can't even dribble a basketball. What the hell's wrong with you? But that's not what he had to do. All right, I have one more thing I have to do before we wrap this Another up. Another ad? Yeah, man. We're I'm not paid. getting paid for you this. Get paid. Do you get a check? No. You don't get a check. From NBC. Well, then shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, there are three things every homeowner wants their home to be. Smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you, Chris, that One Link by First Alert has you covered? First, meet your family's new best friend. The One Link, safe and sound. It's a hardwired, smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker and it's alexa enabled it's all in one sleek device it's built with first alert safety technology that provides an immersive great sound experience the safe and sound elevates elevates or elevates any home but it gets even better one link by first alert also offers a smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the one link safe and sound the device is easy to install it protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide so if smoke or carbon monoxide are detected in your home the smart alarm will notify you via exclusive voice and location technology. Send a notification to your smartphone, whether you're home <coughs> or not. A smartphone and smart home should start with smart protection, and One Link by First Alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. Visit onelink.firstalink. Let me try that again. Visit onelink.firstalert.com for more information. That's onelink.firstalert.com. FirstAlert.com for more information. T- I t- always t- screw that t- up. Today, Junior. One link. Kid can't even read. FirstAlert.com. That sounds like a good idea, actually. I, I have a, I, I'm actually in thinking in my brain, I have an alarm system that's like that. I wonder if it's the same company. I'll have to ask my wife. But either way, if you don't have it's that not, one. It's not. It should be. It sounds, it's, I mean, that's a good setup. How does, how does your alarm system determine the desirable smoke from the undesirable smoke? It doesn't. Daddy <laughs> goes on the back, back patio. <laughs> that's why we call it Daddy Cigars on the Back Porch. What do you do when it's cold? Oh, it's torture sometimes. I sometimes bundle up, but then if it's really cold and I'm like, damn, I just don't feel like sitting out here and, and on a Friday night at 20 degrees to, uh, to smoke my daddy cigars, I will go in the garage and go in the garage and stay there until it gets to the very Literal end. hot box. Literally hot box in my own garage. And then, you know, at the very end, open up the garage, let all the smoke out, let it clear out for a few minutes, and then come back downstairs and shut it, shut it back up. I know the Friday night before we went to Atlanta for the Super Bowl, you know, I was going to be gone all week. And, you know, I smoke a couple cigars a week, just regular cigars, yeah. not, not daddy cigars. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it was, it's like, I really just, I just, you know, I was like a little 15 minute smoke and I just wanted to go outside. It was like 20 degrees. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll get my gloves. I'll get my coat. I put a little fire, I got a fireplace right outside. Right. And, and, I'm, and it's like, this is miserable. It's yeah. not worth yeah. it. So if you, hit, you hit a certain temperature where you're just like, I can't do this. But this is not fun. you hit a certain ter- temperature where you want to do it every night. Oh, where this is just, like the last Tuesday night when I was at home, it's, it was perfect. Right. You yeah. want to go outside, you just feel like, yeah, I'm supposed to yeah. be out here. Nice, clean, fresh air. Right. Let me inhale this uh, nasty tobacco into my body. Yeah, which, that's all right. We can't be perfect. Well, it's only two a week, right? Yeah. That's how I justify it. It's yeah. only two a week right. until it's three a week in the summertime. Yeah. It's only three a week yeah, until it's four a, yeah, a week. Yeah, good, good. All right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a cameo on Game of Thrones last night, which you saw the, the scene. I saw the scene and didn't see Aaron Rodgers. But there he is. Looking good. What, what, what was he? Do we know? I, I don't watch the show. He was a scared villager, apparently, that because the, the I don't know. Did what, he die? Did he I, die? I think he, he might have. I think he might have, right. But it was like dragons flying around, and they were blowing stuff up with their fire coming out of their mouth. So Well, yeah, you're so, not supposed to. I don't know. You know if anybody, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, I, are dragons they're, they're flying around with fire dra- out of their mouth? Think, is that anything new that that's like show? every episode. Yeah, Dragon flies I, around I, and I, breathes fire. You. I've only turned on, I mean, I'm telling you, only three things happen on that show, even though I know it's a phenomenon. What do you watch on TV? Sports. <laughs> Other than sports, what shows do you watch? Gosh, I'm really horrible. Like I, I know you're really I horrible. Know. That's another one we can do. That would be a perfect drop for I PFT mean, I'm Live. still like. You are, I agree, you're very horrible. <laughs> Seinfeld reruns still. Um, there's a show, wait, that's on Netflix, and I'm blanking out on the, the uh, sh- Handmaid's Tale. Thank it's not you, on Pete. Netflix. I know. Is that, is that Hulu? Hulu? That's Hulu. Is it Hulu? I don't know. It's or one Amazon. of them. Either way. But that's one that my wife has gotten me into that I've only, but I'm going to start back at Game of Thrones. But other than that, I mean, then I'm just like, I watched the basketball yesterday. I watched both games, for, you know, pretty much all the way through. I just find myself 
more times than not, even when it's not football or basketball season, I'm going to turn the Yankees on at night and watch some baseball. So I, I, they just you never feel like you just have to get away from sports just for a little break. Because I, I feel that way sometimes. I, I I hear you, but no, I find myself more times than not still sitting on the couch going, let me see what's on. It's the best form of reality TV for me. It's amazing, though. I'll watch Seinfeld just like as I'm working, background noise on Hulu, just play one after another it's yeah. just there it's just it's, it's rather than because greatest I, I find myself far too often like with a cable news channel on and and you get yourself all twisted up about what's going on in the world it's nice to get away from that too. yeah I, I i agree it's only so especially much when it comes to global warming well there's only so much of the news i can take right oh well you just i made a few comments on social media about global warming this week oh you made a few comments on the show about I mean, global and, warming and people oh i got a bunch of started. emails yeah that's thank you started. Yeah. thank you yeah i got 75 emails yeah. over three days uh, complaining about chris Sims. the people who are still living under the rock that don't want to listen to the scientists over the world that say it's real but yes they know better at sitting at home on their couch they've done the studies G- give me the best nfl player tv show cameo that you could think of gosh i always thought terry bradshaw showing his ass in that movie with matthew mcconaughey what i can't think of failure to launch uh, is that what it was yeah. failure to launch yeah. like he could never find a girlfriend that really would I'm go talking about one that are we talking about no we're, i think we're saying going forward not what you would want oh i don't want to see terry bradshaw's ass? i don't give a damn about this topic I, uh, sure. There's, well, we've been talking I don't about know what Rob the hell Downtown Abbey is. It uh, sounds like some English show that was on what PBS. I think that's what Downtown Abbey like is. Like ten years ago. Yes, right. I remember my I mom. I think it's coming used to back. I saw that. something in here. It's coming back. Right. Is it coming back. Is it like on NBC? It's, I guess. Okay. Okay. We got, so we it's got, a good deal. Oh, yeah. oh, you got one in mind? We, we we've got. Well, it's not a cameo. We've been arguing for Gronk to be the star of the reboot of the Terminator. Yes. Because it was fourteen lines. Right. They're all like four words each. Like hello. I'll be back. Right. Well, you know, whatever. He talks like that already. He's already like, Dom, throw me ball. No, I really <laughs> do think when he was on the Billboard Music Awards, his acting was much better than I've seen it before. But but his acting when I've seen it before was god awful. Just horrible. He actually was like, you know. Yes. I don't know. He was serviceable? Almost serviceable. Yeah. Right. Kind of like us. Well, I'm sure they were saying that about Arnold when he was uh, getting done at the gym, too. Uh, I, okay. The, tell me about the basketball. J- James Harden and what? Chris Paul. I, I don't watch it. So what happened to James Harden and Chris Paul? Well, no. They just lost again to the 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 Golden State Warriors. That's Houston. The Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets, right. I mean, once again, the um, Golden State's king of the West. Kevin Durant ruined basketball. Uh, and they showed that they didn't need him. They win game six on the road without Kevin Durant. Uh, Steph Curry goes off in the second half. I'm, still, I'm so mad at Kevin Durant. I just can't even take it. Why are you mad at him? Because he went to a team that was 73-9. and nine. I mean, it just it was the well, great— Wait a minute. Don't we support free choice and capitalism and do what you want to do? Yeah, go somewhere else where they don't need you. They were good enough already without you. He's ruined the competitive spirit. And I know people are going to go, well, you know, other players of LeBron went to Miami. Yeah, they were like the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference that year. They limped into the playoffs and like Dwayne Wade was playing half the season at the time and he brought another guy that was not on the team and started their own new team. It's different than Golden State who had already won two championships and in their third season was 73-9 and and then they lost to the Cavaliers and LeBron, and they were like, oh, gosh, Kevin Durant, come here and save us. We lost. We don't know if we can beat LeBron. And it pisses me off because I like basketball, and they've ruined the balance of it. How many, um, how many championships have the Warriors won? Since, like, the last, since, I don't know, since Steph became. They're three and four years. Yeah. Yeah. Three um, and four years. Is it two, is two with Durant? We were trying to think of a, of a comparable to the Houston Rockets, like this chronic success in, or failure to succeed in the postseason. I, I remember the Rams in the 70s were like that perennial lose to the Cowboys, lose to the Vikings, never make it to the Super Bowl. They finally made it at the end of the decade and right. they lost to the Steelers. The Steelers yeah. There was that, that just throughout the 70s, they always ran into somebody in the NFC that would keep them from getting to the Super Bowl, but they were always a really good team. And I don't know how comparable it is. It's not like, the, you know, star players are different in the NFL, especially in the 70s, and, than star basketball players because there's only five guys on yeah, the field. right. Or a court or whatever it's called. Yeah, court? Is uh, it a court? It's a court. Field? Yes, it's a court. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there, are there players that live up to that billing right now where they just can't get it done? You know, um, you know. I guess Andy Reid's in that category. Uh, you know, Not I mean, Super gosh, I thought of Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, ever since he got to Pittsburgh, they haven't been able to get to a Super Bowl. They got to one when he was a rookie, but he didn't have anything to do so with he that. So ro- he was yeah. on that team that lost to Pittsburgh. Lost to Green Bay. Um, or Green Bay, excuse me. Um 
But I don't know. Is there, who, does anybody jump out to you as that team that you go, oh, they're always right there but can't seem to get it oh, done? The Vikings for the last 50 years. <laughs> well, yeah, I knew you'd go back to the Vikings yeah. at some point. Well, isn't it obvious? Um, yeah, No I guess. Super Bowl wins and four chances. The Bills, I mean, but the Bills, the thing is, the Bills went 20 years without even getting to the playoffs. Yeah, no. And, and the I Vikings was, still accidentally trip into the postseason. I was trying to think years. of somebody recent, but I don't know if there's anybody really recent right now that jumps out to me uh, other than Andy Reid, really. That's the, that's the one. Well, yeah, Philip, Philip Rivers. Rivers, I understand in the back. Yeah, I get it. I mean, gosh, I feel bad for Philip Rivers. The only real teams he was on, you know, they dropped an interception to beat Brady or fumbled the interception, and then the next year he got to play in the AFC Championship and had a touring ACL. So uh, it's that, that's tough there either way. But, yeah, Chris Paul, um, I, I, you know, I don't understand sometimes the love affair with him at the point guard position. People talk about him like he's the greatest thing ever, and I just don't see it. All I remember about Chris Paul is when he was at Wake Forest, West Virginia beat him in, I think it was his last college game Yeah. in the NCAA tournament. That's all I know about Chris Paul. And what he did he do? Game. I don't know. He left. Oh, okay. he, he didn't, West Virginia won. Oh, I thought there was something that no, happened. I just yeah. No, just yeah. West Virginia won. Right. See you later. See ya. S- uh, suck it, Chris Paul. See, see you, Chris Paul. <laughs> um, how do you finish this thing? Do you like sing a song? Or? No, we're not singing O'Reilly parts or First Alarm parts. or anything like that. Does no. First Alarm have a song we're supposed to sing? No, we are. No. Kenyon Drake tomorrow. Kenyon Drake is tomorrow. That'll be cool. I met Kenyon Drake and went down to the Boys and Girls Club in Miami, uh, which was awesome because, first of all, you know, hey, that's the Miami Miracle Man and Kenyon Drake, but he does this great deed of being involved with the kids down in Miami, tells nobody about it. We kind of found out through some back channels, and we showed him some love for it. Great dude. Got a chance for a big year down there uh, as far as being in that New England offense, so hopefully people will like listening to that a little bit. Well, thanks for letting me hang out on your new desk. Oh, you're welcome. I have a feeling the new desk isn't going to be here. Oh, the new desk is great. I don't like the new desk. I like the couch. You like the couch better? I like the couch. Yeah, you have absolutely no say the, the thing, though, is when you're on the couch, right. you never quite know, like, how do I sit? Exactly. How do I cross my legs? Right. Do I how, do where do I full, hold the computer? Do I, I do the side? Do I do this? Right, yeah. so the table's better, then, is what you're I saying. I guess the table's better. Okay, thank you very much. I just, I like, I wanted to say I don't like the table because I know that you're Yeah, it's my idea. Table. All right, there's PFTPM. I think the table contributes to global warming. Oh, you think it does? Yeah. No, you know what com- contributes to global warming? <laughs> is that we had to waste paper on that stupid-ass book you wrote down there, okay? Quarterback of the future. You chopped it down is. trees for that crap? Right there? That's that's how the publishing industry works. You know, okay. right. As as you walk around with this. I know. Right? He has this, folks, that he could put all of his notes on. Instead, he insists Next year it's, it's happening. 1962, and he carries this thing around. At least, my God, how do you even read that? You're yeah. like a stenographer. It's happening next year. All right, we got to go. CFTPM. Bye. Chris Simzel button. Peace. We're out of here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.